Uh, would you please turn with me to your study outlines, and as you're turning, you can see that you can either use a paper outline that's there in your program, or if you'd like to access your mobile device, you'll see how to do that there in your program, as well as you'll see that on the screen uh, behind me. And uh, as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are joining us online. Every week, hundreds join us online for our study of God's Word, and also for our friends at First Baptist Church in Arco, Idaho, and First Baptist Church in Kalispell, Montana, and the in Montana, we are so glad uh, that you're joining us right now for our study of God's Word as well. We are continuing a chapter-by-chapter study of the Gospel of John. Uh, There are four biographies of the life of Jesus. Uh, There are tens of thousands of witnesses to his miracles, uh, thousands that witness his uh, resurrection, and then there were four biographies that were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're looking at the biography of Jesus written by John, who is an eyewitness uh, to these accounts, uh, to everything thing that Jesus did in his three-year ministry. He said that if uh, I put everything down, all the books that ever existed wouldn't be able to contain it. But I basically did a Reader's Digest version of Jesus' life to give you enough so that you can believe. And the title of this series is Upside Down, How Jesus Reframes Everything. And today we're going to look at spiritual fruit that lasts for eternity based on John chapter 15. Now there are seven I am statements of Jesus as you see them there in your outline. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. We studied that a few weeks ago. I am the good shepherd. We looked at that a few Sundays ago. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today we're going to talk about where Jesus says, I am the true vine. Our theme verse is verse 5 of John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's read this uh, all together, out loud together. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, we believe that as Jesus was teaching, if he was outdoors, he would just point to a vineyard and, and begin to teach on it, just like he'd point to a flock of sheep or to a shepherd and start to teach on it. He may have been teaching this in the temple, And so we believe that in the temple there was this large, ornate, gold grapevine that was there in the temple, this ornate uh, picture about human size uh, there in the temple. So maybe Jesus, as he was teaching, he pointed to that and begins to teach on he was the vine and we are the branches and we're called to bear much fruit. Now Jesus said that you, he is the vine, uh, you are a branch, and our sole duty in life for eternity is to bear fruit, in this case, grapes, which were a symbol in that culture of abundant life, of significant, meaningful, fulfilling, abundant life that was symbolized by a cluster of grapes. And so he says, he's the vine, stay connected with him, and you are a branch, and through you, you will bear and produce a fruit. And that is the number one goal of our lives. Uh, We can fail to do anything else in life, but if we get that one thing right, our life was significant. Our life was fulfilling. We have done what we are called to do to the glory of God. And we need to be so careful to prune away all the secondary things so that we make this one thing. The main thing is keep the main thing the main thing. And Jesus said the main thing, the number one thing, uh, was for us to produce fruit, spiritual fruit that will last for eternity. Now, Jesus said the one thing is to bear spiritual fruit 
for eternity. Now, what does that fruit look like? He talks about several things uh, here in this chapter. There are many things it could be, uh, but here are the few that he mentions here in chapter 15. Answered prayer is one of them. He says in verse 7, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 16, whatever you ask in my name, and that's why we finish our prayers in Jesus' name. That's why we finish them uh, that way, in Jesus' name, because he says, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now, ask in the original Greek language that the New Testament was written in, the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language originally, uh, New Testament was written in Greek, ask in the Greek language is aiteo, which means to demand, insist, or be adamant in our requests. And so he says we are to expect that God listens and expect that God's answers. Now, he may not always answer the way that we want him to. He may not always answer the way that we hope he will, but he always listens and he always answers. Another piece of fruit is experiencing God's love. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Verse 10, you will remain in my love. Another fruit from staying connected with the vine is joy. He says in verse 11, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said, joy is the gigantic secret uh, of the Christian. Now, by the way, hold that for just a second. When I get to heaven, that's the hair I want right there, okay? Um, I get my resurrection body. I got dibs on, on that, that hair uh, right now. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. So G.K. Chesterton shall be bald and I shall have that head of hair. Now, how do you stay joyful in the midst of hard circumstances? You stay connected to the vine. That's what Jesus says here. Another great fruit from staying connected to the vine is friendship with God. Look at what he says in verse 14 and 15. 14, you are my friends. Can you imagine such a thing? The creator of the universe, the one that holds it all together, says, I want to be friends. You're my friends. I've called you friends, uh, verse 15. Historians tell us that at this time, uh, the Roman emperors and the Eastern kings used to have a select group, an inner circle that they referred to as the friends of the king. And this is what Jesus may be referring to here. Uh, the friends of the king, inner circle. That's what he wants to be with us. This group had constant and immediate access to the king. They could even come at any time, night or day, right into the king's bedroom. Even before the king saw his advisors or cabinet, these men could see the king. They could see the emperor, the Roman emperor, with his hair messed up, with sleep in his eyes, with his pajamas on. This is the kind of close friendship God has for you. This is what he wants to have uh, with us, friendship with God. And then a meaningful life, a significant life, a life of purpose. Next page of your study outline. It says in verse 8, this is to my father's glory. Uh, when I was growing up as a Presbyterian kid in Hopewell, Virginia, at the West End Presbyterian Church, we didn't have cool curriculum like kids have today. I mean, I look at vacation Bible school, oh my goodness, how many of you had a vacation Bible school like that when you were a kid, you know? But what we did have is the Westminster Catechism. This is, a, this is how exciting things were at our Presbyterian church. This is what we did for Sunday school, the Westminster Catechism. It says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief purpose of our lives is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I love this quote by John Piper. He says, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. 
The more we take our ultimate joy and satisfaction in God and not in the other stuff of this life, the more glorified he is. Another piece of fruit is spiritual confidence. It says in verse 8, showing yourselves to be my disciples. One of our core values at Purpose Church is growing people change. And that is if we're connected to the vine, we will change over time. Now, it may not be steady. It may be three steps forward, two steps back, or some days three steps forward, four steps back. But we will continue to grow and to change. We'll become more like Jesus over time, and we will bear fruit for eternity. And if we do that, it gives us spiritual confidence because we show ourselves, we demonstrate ourselves externally by the fruit and change of our lives to be disciples or followers of Jesus. And then eternal rewards, verse 16 that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's one of the great things of being connected to the vine, is that you know that your life is not a waste. It's not here today, gone tomorrow. You know that the stuff of your life doesn't just fade away and evaporate, but it actually has an eternal significance and purpose and, and meaning. And so that purpose is permanent, eternal fruit. Now, this is one of the great things about the Christian life is that we don't have to fear aging. You know, our culture is terrified of aging. How many of you in the last week have seen a commercial that advocates something to keep you looking young or to be young? Our culture is obsessed uh, with with youth. And those things aren't bad and and, take advantage of them. That's just fine. But the great thing about following Jesus is every day that goes by, you are walking towards your eternal reward. You see, no wonder our culture is obsessed with youth because we're always walking away from eventually losing the stuff we've accumulated or the fame we've accumulated or the accomplishments we've accumulated, and we know we're going to lose it completely someday. And so that's why it's depressing to age outside of being a follower of Jesus. But if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the great things is every day that you age and go by, uh, you are one step closer to your eternal reward. Now, fruit doesn't happen instantly. Uh, here's a terrible example of this. Oh my goodness, this is depressing. Uh, put his picture up here, Ronald Wayne. This is one of the people who helped launch Apple computers. He got cold feet early on. He became impatient with his investment. And so he sold his 10% share of Apple for $800. Today, that would be worth $35 billion. And you see, he got impatient. And with spiritual fruit, it takes time. Um, They tell us that it takes three years for a grapevine to produce any fruit. So that means for the first three years, it doesn't produce any fruit. Then the first year, that vine will produce between 15 and 20 pounds of grapes. And here's the part I love at my age. And as the grapevines age, they produce more and more fruit as the years go by. Now, there's another great thing about the Christian life is that you get better at producing spiritual fruit. It's one of those few things, or maybe the only thing, you get better at as life goes on. I find, and those of you that are younger, take encouragement from this. I find that it's easier to be like Jesus as the years go by. I, I, I find that it's easier to bear spiritual fruit, that I have more confidence in prayer. I have a greater sense of this is something that's going to last, and this is something, don't waste my time on it because it's not going to last. I have more effectiveness in spiritual gifts 
as, as the years go by. And so do you see why it's so wonderful to follow Jesus? Because as you age, aging can be a fantastic thing because as you age, you move towards your eternal reward and you become better at bearing fruit for that eternal reward as the years go by. Let me ask you a question in the stuff that we usually cling to in life. Your health, you know, you've heard the saying, if you've got your health, you've got everything. Okay, let me ask you a question. Is it harder to be healthy as the years go by? How many of you go to the doctor more often than you did 20 years ago, okay? How many of you take more pills than you did 20 years ago? It's harder, harder to stay healthier, healthy as, as the years go by. So no wonder people hate aging. Uh, how about staying in shape? Is it easier or harder to stay in shape as the years go by? I tend to work out twice as long as I did a few years ago, and I get half the results that I used to get. It's just harder to stay in shape as the years go by. How about maintaining your looks? How's that working as the years go by? I mean, when I was younger, it was just so easy to be good looking. I'm telling you, it was just, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. But it gets harder as the years go by. Um, How about athletics? Uh, Unless you're younger than 30 years old, your peak is probably behind you. And, and so your athletic feats are all uh, probably in the past, unless you're uh, a, a younger person. And, and so do you see why the world hates aging so much? Because every day that goes by, it gets harder and harder to maintain the good stuff, and we move away from it, and it's behind us, and our good old days are more and more behind us. Here's the wonderful thing about following Jesus. The good old days are always ahead. You're, you're always more effective. Uh, I mean, aging is awesome. Have I, am I convincing you at all? <laughs> or, you know, don't, don't feel bad. I'm, I'm giving it my best shot here. I'm giving it my best shot. Um, you know, birthdays are to be celebrated. Every year that goes by, you, you move towards your reward, and at the same time, you become better at bearing fruit. Now, let me ask you, let me tell you the downside of it. Is as the years go by, do you ever get tired of being good? I mean, people are in my office all the time around the age of 40, and I sense, I call it good gal syndrome or good guy syndrome. They're just good. Oh, man, they have been good parents, and they have been good spouses, and, and, and they have been good friends, and they have been followers of Christ, and they've been serving in the church, and they've been serving Jesus and serving other people, and they just get tired of being good after a while. I'm not going to ask you to show your hands right now on that one. But how many are tired of, tired of being good? And you know what it's called when you get tired of being good? It's called a midlife crisis is what it's called, okay? Now, here's, here's the challenge from God's Word. Galatians 6, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. You hang in there. Persevere. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up, okay? Now, what did Jesus teach us in this passage about how to have a fruitful Christian life? First of all, expect to be pruned, and I'm telling you, those of you that are going through hard times this morning, this is why you got out of bed. This is why God wanted you to come to church. This might be the main reason why he called you uh, to be here uh, today is because he wants to encourage you in this area. Expect to be pruned. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And, you know, I just want to ask you, have you been through a time of pruning? Are you going through a time of pruning? And just remember, your disappointments are often God's appointments. 
Uh, he closes a door, but then he opens a window. Or he closes a door, and then he opens an, another door. And I want to encourage you with that. Um, uh, every four years, I get a little bit nostalgic and wistful um, around the time of the Olympics. I think back to the summer of 1978. I've told you this story before how I really thought that's where it was all going to come together for me athletically. I ran the 1,500 meters for an American team, an American track team in Eastern Europe, and so spent the summer of 78 competing all across Eastern Europe in different countries uh, all across there. And I thought, this is when I am going to make it. This, as a matter of fact, I do this to embarrass my kids. Just about once a year, I humiliate my kids. This was my... Um, this was my uniform. Oh, it's all tangled up there. This is what I wore um, that summer of 78 right there. You got that? Okay. Now, now, let me just ask you, how many of you think I can still fit in this? You know, uh, as a matter of fact, let's just try it on right now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't want you to lose your appetite for lunch. That would be uh, like a really bad thing. No, but, but I really thought, okay, international competition, this is where... And I got the sp- that spring, the Russian flu was sweeping through college campuses in America, and I caught the Russian flu. And it just broke my health. I had a horrible summer of competition. I finished dead last in races in every European capital across Eastern Europe. I was dead last in Belgrade, Yugoslavia. I was dead last in Prague, Czechoslovakia. I was dead last in Bucharest, Romania. I think once I finished next to last, and that was it. And I remember just laying awake at a hotel in Prague, Czechoslovakia one night saying, God, what are you up to here? Okay. Also got a chance to preach in some churches there in between the meets that we were competing in. And I still remember I was getting off the plane in Boston, Massachusetts, in Logan Airport. And as I'm getting off, a a sprinter uh, who was a Christian, follower of Christ from Southern California, he stops me in the aisle, and I was getting off in Boston because I was going to begin seminary uh, that fall in Boston. And he said, Glenn, this running thing doesn't seem to be working out for you very well. But he says, you know what, I've, I've seen you ministering, you know, this, this past summer and preaching, and I think this may be another direction God is leading you in that will be more fruitful than the one you thought he was going to use you in. And nothing wrong with athletics, and you guys know I love sports, but I realized that God was pruning me. He was cutting off every branch in me that at that time wasn't bearing much fruit so that the branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so they'll be even more fruitful. Um, and I'm sure you have stories like this in, in, in your life, and, and you can see God kind of working this way. My wife, Kimberly, uh, she gets embarrassed when I say this, but she was quite the actress in, in school. She uh, was trained at uh, Northwestern University Drama School in Chicago. I mean, the people she was hanging with, her, one of her closest friends, Tanya Pinkins, got all kinds of awards on Broadway, got Tony nominations, eventually won a Tony Award for Jelly's Last Jam. And, and so uh, quite prominent circle she was running in. She was doing plays in, in, in Boston. And then she met Jesus. And then she committed her life to Christ. And nothing wrong with all that. We have many professional actors within our church family that have acted in movies or on TV shows right now. Uh, and so if God's, that's their calling, that's wonderful. But, but for her, it wasn't that. And she realized that God was leading her away from something that in her life wasn't producing fruit into an area that would produce more fruit and was pruning her so that it would be even more um, fruitful. So here's what I want to encourage you about. Pruning is different than punishment. And I do believe believe there's punishment in the Christian life. I, I believe that. But much of the time, Satan will whisper in your ear, God is punishing you for, for, for such and such, and he's not punishing you, he is pruning you. 
Uh, the vine has to be pruned or, or will not bear much fruit. The Greek word here, translated prune, is a very unusual word in the original Greek. It has the idea of cleaning something up or cutting away the excess and cleaning up the plant. Let me give you an example. Here's the Mickey Mouse shrub as you go into the happiest place on earth. Okay, you go in happy, you come out with cranky kids, tired and hungry, and uh, that's how you come out. But at any rate, uh, plants at Disneyland were pruned into the shape of Mickey. Now, God is pruning us for the same purpose, not to make the image of Mickey Mouse appear, but the image of Jesus to appear. He's pruning us so that Jesus' picture appears in us. Now, those plants at Disneyland, they didn't grow that way on their own. It took clippers that were cutting away the extra. Uh, Grapevines produce an incredible amount of foliage, extra foliage, and it just draws energy away from the fruit. They actually cut off 90 to 95% of a vine in pruning in December. Mature grapevines need yearly pruning to produce large clusters of sweet, delicious grapes. Otherwise, they just end up with a lot of wood and uh, with leaves, but very little fruit. Andrew Murray writes, the branch is a perfect likeness of the vine. The only difference is the one is great and strong and the source of strength, the other little and feeble, ever needing and receiving strength. Even so, the believer is and is to be the perfect likeness of Christ. John MacArthur writes, he cuts away sin and hindrances that would drain spiritual life just as the farmer removes anything on the branches that keeps them from bearing maximum fruit. Uh, My dad was a forester, and so his idea of a fun Saturday was to go out in in the Virginia heat, in the humidity and the heat of a Virginia summer, and trim trees all day long. That's what he thought was a whooping good time, and all my friends had dads that would take them to baseball games or watch baseball with them in the air conditioning, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, and my dad just thought the most fun thing in the world was to go out and trim trees, and it was enjoyable because you'd sit there with your ax all day long, and you'd kind of clean up these trees and the dead branches that were kind of useless or were draining so the tree could grow tall and straight and true uh, on our tree farm there. We had a tree farm near Disputanda, Uh, Virginia. And that's the way we would spend uh, many of our days. And I didn't appreciate that um, for years to come. But just a few years ago, we harvested those trees on, on the tree farm. And because of that trimming, they had grown, you know, tall and, and straight and true and had a lot of uh, good board uh, coming out of them and, 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 and timber from them. And because of that, we were able to pay for both of our daughter's weddings. Now, I'm telling you, when I was trimming that tree in the hot Virginia summer uh, on a, on a, in high school, I never thought to myself, oh, this is so worthwhile because I'll pay for my daughter's wedding someday. But, and that's the way it is with spiritual fruit. You persevere. Don't give up. Don't be weary in doing good. For in due season, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Now, how does God prune us? Uh, he uses the Bible. Uh, God's word to prune us. The Holy Spirit, he'll whisper to us, go this way and not that way. A godly people uh, prune us when they challenge us and kind of confront us on things. Probably the uh, toughest time in Kimberly and my marriage was when our second child came. We were fine as long as we outnumbered them, but then when they were the same number and then went beyond that, Uh, That's when we got in trouble, mainly because I wasn't stepping up to the plate. I wasn't doing my part. And so I had a a godly mentor take me out to a diner in Homer, New York, and buy me biscuits and gravy, 
And then we sat in his car afterwards, and he says, Glenn, it is time for you to step up as a dad and step up as a husband. And I praise God for that, because it vastly improved, maybe even saved our marriage. And so godly people confronting us, uh, that's something that um, is a tremendous pairing shears in God's hands. A problem, you're going through a problem right now. That's uh, shears in God's hands to prune you. Experiences that we go through. EGR people. You know what that stands for? Extra grace required. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a person at work or in your family or, or here in the church maybe, uh, you know? As a matter of fact, on the count of three, just shout their name out, okay? I just want to uh, hear it. No, don't do that. They, they might be sitting next to you. You never know, you know, so... Uh, um, worship is a way. As we focus um, on, on worship, it's, it's a way of God pruning us. Now, only God can make fruit. Only God can produce fruit that's going to last for eternity. You know, uh, the Apollo 11 landing on the moon is considered the greatest human accomplishment in all of history. It is just absolutely the greatest wonder ever in human history. And everybody's hero is Neil Armstrong, because he was the first guy to step on the moon. But you know who my hero is in that story? Buzz Aldrin, the second man to step on the moon. You know why he's my hero? Because he's the guy that at the moment when as a human race, we could have said, aren't we something? He's the one that knew who to thank. First verse read on the moon. John 15, verse 5, the first action taken on the moon was sharing the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I would say he means here nothing eternal because in verse 16 he says, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Uh, this word remain is used 10 times just in this one chapter, John 15. It's often translated as abide or stay around. It has the idea of living there. I abide in my house. Uh, I, I live in my house. He says, as you abide in me, that's how you'll produce fruit that will last forever. Uh, Henry Nouwen says, a call to live a fruitful life does not necessarily imply a call to be productive. A product is something we make. Fruit is something only God can make. He says in verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Do you know that you're in the vine? Do you know this morning that you have connected yourself with Jesus Christ, that you've received him as your Savior and Lord so that you know that you are a branch connected to the vine of Jesus Christ. I want to give you a chance to do that right now so that you can know that by the time you leave in a few minutes. Let's bow before the Lord in prayer. And if you would like to know that you're connected to the vine, would you pray silently as I pray out loud? Dear Jesus, I want to be connected to you, the vine. I want to bear fruit. I, I want to know that I'm a friend of God and have that joy and remain in your love. And so right here, right now, I open up my heart and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I know that there are things in my life that I need forgiveness for. I need a Savior. Lord, I need to be connected to you 
in order to be saved, uh, to know that I'm going to heaven, to know that I have eternal life. Uh, Lord, I know that I need to be connected with you to live the way you want me to live and to love the way that you want me to love. And so right here, right now, I open up my heart to you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I, as a branch, connect myself to you, the vine, because that is my only hope in life, is you and you alone. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. And all God's family said, amen. Now, just a few other things I want to mention. Um, scripture, prayer, and obedience, Jesus says, are like sap coming through the branches. He says, Scripture, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that's God's word. Ask whatever you wish, that's prayer, and it'll be done to you. He says, if you keep my commands. So we, we spend time in God's word. We obey what we see there. We spend time in prayer. We, we listen for what God wants to tell us to do. If you keep my commands, then you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be complete. Andrew Murray writes, there, there is the lesson of absolute dependence. The vine has its stores of life and sap and strength, not for itself, but for the branches. The branches are and have nothing but what the vine provides and imparts. The believer is called to, and it is his highest blessedness, to enter upon a life of entire and unceasing dependence upon Christ. Now, we as parents and grandparents, we're naturally kind of concerned about the role of technology within our children and grandchildren's life. But you know, it's not all bad. Uh, I read some research this past week that found that children are much closer to their parents today than they were 20 years ago. Do you know that? Research has shown children are much closer to their parents today than they were 20 years ago. You want to know the reason why? Cell phones. Uh, texting, calling, Instagram, FaceTime, Skyping, pictures. I mean, I think back to when I was away at, at college, I maybe talked to my parents once a month. You're saying, what a bad child I was. And yes, I was, you know. Maybe I'd call them once a month. Maybe I'd write them um, once a month. Uh, but now our kids are in multiple countries. They're on each coast, east coast, west coast. And yet we are texting each other all day long in contact. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about, abiding in the vine. He's talking about constant, you know, not just coming once a Sunday, once a week, and checking in with God at church. But he's talking about daily time, reading God's word, the Bible, uh, regular time and prayer, always asking God, how can I obey you? And then finally he says, uh, no love means no fruit. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Now here's uh, the assignment that I want you to do. Take out this card uh, that you got there uh, in your program. 
And as the rest of the band, oh, the band is here. Here you are. You have appeared. All right. Um, as you take out this card, uh, what I want us to do now is uh, pull this card out and let's stand up together. Okay? Let's all stand together and we're going to worship and, uh, and, and talk that song, Build My Kingdom Here, uh, Bearing Fruit, Building His Kingdom. That's what we're called to do. And uh, if you prayed that prayer uh, that I had you pray just a moment ago, uh, we'd love for you to get a gift from our church at the Connect Center. It's out there in the lobby. And if you could get a hold of uh, this gift that we love to give you to help you to grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to talk to somebody, there'll be somebody out there that would love to talk to you. But if you just want to pick up this packet, no pressure, no obligation, just pick this up as a resource to help you to grow. Uh, the prayer room is going to be open after we finish worship. Right over here to my left on the main floor to your right. And our prayer team and our prayer partners would love to pray with you. But as we kick back into worship right now for one final song, uh, let's pull this out. And what I want you to do is every day, Pull this out just for seven days until we're back together again next Sunday. And I want you to read the scripture and then pray the prayer just once a day as an exercise in abiding in Christ for the next seven days before we come back together uh, once again. Okay, let's read the scripture out loud together. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then let's pray the prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, thou art the heavenly gardener, and Christ is the heavenly vine. And I am a heavenly branch, partaker of his heavenly life, to bear his heavenly fruit. Father, let the power of his life so fill me that I may ever bear more fruit to the glory of thy name. And all God's family said, amen.